and welcome to Root Causes, the PKI and Security Podcast, where two industry veterans talk about all matters PKI, including digital certificates, hashing algorithms, cryptography, and things along those lines. I am Tim Callen, Senior Fellow at Sectigo, and I am joined by Jason Sirocco, CTO of IoT at Sectigo. How are you doing today, Jay? Doing great, Tim. Great to have us uh, back on the podcast again. Great to be back on the podcast, and we are going to return to a topic we have discussed earlier. We actually did a pair of podcasts on this topic. It's our episode five and our episode six, and we're discussing the subject of quantum computing and how quantum computing seeks to, is going to force us to transform the way we approach cryptography. So episode five discussed the basic, the basic problem of quantum computing, being able to potentially defeat our existing cryptographic approaches and the potential quantum cryptographic apocalypse. And then podcast six began to define what the parameters are for a new cryptographic standard that would be quantum resistant and still work for all of the other requirements that our digital infrastructure has. So if you haven't listened to those, that's a great thing to do after this podcast, but stick around with us now because what are we going to talk about today, Jay? Hey, Tim, thanks. Yeah, what, what we're talking about today is specifically about timing. Uh, today's podcast is going to be uh, shorter, real sweet. I think that there's a, a singular message here that needs to be known by people cold because of the fact that I think as time goes on, you're probably going to hear more and more about this subject. Right. Obviously, uh, as a a certificate authority. We study these things very carefully because of the fact that they affect our industry very, very uniquely in that we don't just issue certificates, we issue certificates using specific cryptographic algorithms. Yes. And those cryptographic algorithms are not static. Uh, oh, yeah, not at all. I mean, the, the stuff we were using in the 90s and the 2000s is not the stuff we're using today. That's right. So therefore, after quantum computing becomes stable enough and powerful enough, the current methods uh, that of cryptographic algorithms that we use right now are probably going to become, again, either if not deprecated, right. at least less resistant. Therefore, what is the timing of all this? How long will this take? Because, you know, terms like the quantum apocalypse are thrown around, right? And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good word because it really makes the point. Right. And, and you, you and I were discussing just before this about what is, what is the level of importance to do this? Even though, you know, what we're going to be talking about today is probably that it may not be imminent for 10 years. You know, it, right. this might be a decade. The problem is that the solution for this might be a decade. Might be a decade also. <laughs> Absolutely. And if I may just chime in, Jay, like this is a problem that must be solved. Like yes. if quantum computers have, an, uh, have a fundamentally unfair advantage on cracking the current approaches to cryptography, which were put together before anybody had really thought about quantum computers in any serious fashion, then all of it must be swapped out. And if it didn't swap out, literally your entire digital world would be potentially compromisable. Everything you do, money, debt, commerce, communications, transportation, all of this stuff would be insecure. 
Absolutely correct. But let's let's talk about one thing first, though, Tim, that we always try to be thorough in these podcasts. Mm-hmm. Algorithms such as SHA-256, right, used in right. hashing, for example, to store passwords securely, and, and also AES, right, which is used yeah. to encrypt files and hard disks. Those are not vulnerable right now to Shor's algorithm. This is sort of a touchback. If you want to know about Shor's algorithm, that's what we cover yeah. more in depth in previous podcasts. In episode six, see our episode six to learn about Shor's algorithm. That's right. So what we are talking about is public key cryptography. So therefore, things like secure authenticated web connections, anything that can be attacked with a quantum computer, that is specifically what we are talking about right now and what the timing is of all of that. Right. So there's a term, right? There's a term that was invented. I believe it was, um, correct me if I'm wrong on this. I think it was invented by somebody at the University of Waterloo, right? And um, it's what you would refer to as the Z date, what I would refer to as the Z date. And that is the date of what, Jay? That is specifically, it's, if you think about an equation is X plus Y is greater than Z, then worry. Right. is what's known as the Moscow inequality. And I think that what has been called the Z date for a long time, it probably more accurately could be called the Moscow inequality. And let's, let's talk about, we'll talk about Moscow and University of Waterloo in a moment, but let's, let's, let's take a real simple equation. Why do we have to worry? Okay. It's because we do believe that X plus Y might be greater than zero. Therefore, we should worry. So X, what is X? Yes. X is, what is your security shelf life? How long do you need your crypto keys to be secure? In other words, RSA algorithm, if that needs to be valid or or not deprecated for 10 years, that's what we would refer to as X in this equation. So, So X is the amount of time that a widely deployed cryptographic algorithm needs to be able to live in production and be secure. Is that correct, Jay? That's 100% correct. Okay. And, what's and why? why is exactly what we were talking about before. How long does it take to retool? How long does gotcha. it take to come up with a new algorithm? What is your migration time? Even if you had an algorithm, yeah. what's the extra bit of time it might take to engineer a new certificate authority, et cetera? Right. So that's the, the cryptographic work, which is to say the mathematicians sit down and do their egghead math stuff that they're better at than I am and come back and say, these are the algorithms that are going to work. And then we add to the cryptographic work the actual time, which is that there is a gigantic, diversified, ubiquitous, global, interlocking, intercompatible digital ecosystem that needs to be switched over. Correct. Now, we quite today, we quite often use elliptic curve cryptography. We take a look at these things very carefully. ECC took mm-hmm. an awfully long time. Oh, yeah. To, and it, it wasn't just... Can we come up with the math? It wasn't just, can we prove that it's safe? Yeah. It wasn't just, can we engineer a solution? There was also politics around it. There, when NIST sure. finally released it, uh, it turned out that some of the parameters around it were, were being you know, messed around with. That's a whole other story podcast that we could do. But suffice to say, it, it took a long time for it to become mature, stable, and trusted. And that's what we would refer to as why within this equation. And, and used. So even when it was mature and stable, there was a period of time where it didn't matter because it wasn't practical. I, as an enterprise, couldn't purchase software that supported ECC. Or if I did purchase software that supported ECC, it wouldn't work with my other things. So there was that whole part of it. Like... 
Like if you just think about the pragmatic feet on the ground people who just have to get their job done, they need technology solutions that are operational. And if they're not operational, that's, that's great that we're doing that science, but that doesn't, that isn't something that I can put on my floor. Correct. Right. Uh, That's implementation is everything, right? Because a lot of this stuff we're talking about right now is, is still in the extremely academic stages. Oh, Lord, yeah, absolutely. So therefore, we just discussed X, how long do you, does the current, the current state of the art last and Y, how long will it take to get to the next state of the art? Those two together right. need to be greater than what is known as Z right. or the right. Z date, which is how long will it take for a, right. a large-scale quantum computer to be built. In other words, what's right. the collapse time? What, what, when is this quantum apocalypse? And that is known as the Z date. Sure. So if, if X is eight years and Y is three years, then that's 11 years. And if Z is 12 years, we're okay. But if Z is 10 years, we're not. That's the basic arithmetic, right, Jay? Right. Keep in <laughs> mind, though, one of the things that is being called for is for Y and X to be worked in parallel. In other words, yes. we're not, we're not going to wait until X is dead before we work on Y. We have to start Y now. And that's actually a really good point, because if we go back to our ECC example or some of the earlier things, at the time, there was just much less crypto agility than there is now. Like the idea of going and changing these systems, we didn't have auto updates, we didn't have ubiquitous high bandwidth. There are many things we didn't have where we've we've built out in the last 15 years, we've built out an infrastructure that is much more equipped to do this kind of changeover. Now, on the other hand, the number of systems, the number of devices, the range and variety of those devices have also expanded by orders of magnitude. <laughs> so I think it's easier, but maybe I'm wrong. So I think one of the main, the main points we want to make within this podcast here, Tim, is what is the nature of the Z date or the Z date? Yeah. It's very important to keep in mind when people say the quantum apocalypse, it, it almost implies, I mean, t- maybe even to your ear, ears, Tim, it might imply to you that we're talking about just free-for-all decryption, right? Yeah. In other words, real-time decryption of an SSL stream, for example. Right. right. Everything that, is broken. Nothing is reliable. It's Mad Max. It's Mad Max. And that, in fact, is not what we're talking about. Right. Right. So Although, in other words, if it were Mad Max, I will say, I think I would look awesome in a mohawk. <laughs> so I do have that going for me. But I could just get a mohawk. So we, we don't need that. So, but, but, but sorry, I interrupted. Continue. No, you know what? The, <laughs> the, the PKI Mad Max version would be, that's we a movie. I, I might actually get some popcorn and watch and that. B- buy your, mark your finger cards, kids. Mad Max. First time we've said that. But go that's on, Jen. Fantastic. No, that's great. So, so the thing, what are we talking about? We're probably more or less talking about not real-time decryption of an SSL stream. We're probably talking about a recorded SSL session that can be decrypted in some, let's call it, reasonable amount of time. But that's still hugely bad. I mean, sure. if if someone sat and harvested all of the bank logs logins they could get, and if it took them a month before they could use them, so what? 
it's it's still like those logins are still compromised. Or if someone harvested my confidential inf- uh, information, my industrial secrets going back and forth, and it took them a month to decrypt them, so what? So they capitalize that on a month later. Like I get your point of nobody is like changing my online trade in real time, but there are still so many ways that those would just completely crush what we do, that it's still not acceptable. Correct. You're absolutely right, Tim. It, it, therefore, we do consider it to be you know, a collapse. Yes. But I just wanted to talk about the nature of what that collapse looks like because sure. I think what people, people are so used to just leaps and bounds and advances in technology. That's just something we've gotten used to. Yeah. You, you go to bed one night and the next day you've got an iPhone right? The next yeah. day you've got something just, just, just changes your life. It's incredible. Yeah. We've had that in our lifespans and that's just amazing. You know, moonshots, people go to the moon. We've just celebrated that anniversary. Oh yeah. I think quantum computing kind of creeps up on us and it's more of a, I don't want to say linear, but it's close to that. In, in other words, creating stability within quantum computing happens a little bit at a time. And as the, as the days tick by, as the months and quarters and years tick by, quantum computing, large-scale, stable quantum computing will eventually get to a point where there will be a quantum apocalypse, and it will actually continue to improve even past that point. But yeah. it happens gradually. There probably will be some eureka moments. Mm-hmm. mostly from the engineering field, because as you know, as many of you might know if you're studying this, a lot of stable quantum computers right now really depend on cooling down the, the apparatus to extremely low temperatures. Some quantum computers don't require that. Well, if some of the advances in the non-cooled quantum computing start to develop, those are much easier to work with and engineer. Sure. So, there, so therefore, there may be some eureka moments from an engineering standpoint but it, but the trend that we're being told by people who know this stuff way, way better than I do, Tim, is that it, it's a gradual, gradual movement forward. So, so does that mean that we have to have a definition of what the Z date is? And is there such a definition? I, I don't think Mosca, who, who originally used that equation, and, and I think it, this is now being called Mosca's inequality. I don't think he ever got so far as to say, what is the commercial definition of Z, right? Okay. Because I think, I think he's leaving that to others to okay. define. However, here is what Mosca has said in the past, and, I th- and he has repeated this a number of times at conference talks. And it was April 2015. He said, there was a one in seven chance of breaking RSA 2048 by 2026. Okay. One in seven chance by 2026. Okay. He also said there's a half chance by 2031. Okay. 50% by 2031. Gotcha. Now, in May of 2017, because time had moved on since right. 2015, right? again, he said he suggested that there's a, chance, a one in six chance there'll be a large-scale quantum computing machine within 10 years. So, therefore, it is, in his words, likely within 10 to 15 years. Okay. All right. So 10 to 15 years, that's still a lot of range. It, it is. It is. Uh, we also have a gentleman, Simon Benjamin, mm-hmm. who at a conference in London back in September, September 2017. So right around the same time frame as Mosca's second comment, 
He said, if someone is willing to, and I'm going to use air quotes here because I think he did as well, go Manhattan Project. <laughs> sure. And yeah. then he's saying six to 12 years uh, as of September 2017. Wow. So if he's right, and if you take the lowest end of that, you go six years, and then you imagine two years into that already. So that would be four more years to go in that circumstance. And going Manhattan Project isn't out of the question. You know, the Manhattan Project itself was a state-funded scientific research project, and there are plenty of states in the world with the motivation and the resourcing to do this. Tim, that's exactly it. There has been a publication as well, a book called Quantum Computing Progress and Prospects from the National Academy of Science and Engineering and Medicine. Okay. They, they have some good news and bad news. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the good, and, and this is a little bit contradictory with, within their report, what they call their key findings, if you happen to get a copy of that, of that book. And I recommend everybody get their hand on it because it's very interesting. They're saying the good news is that nothing will happen to threaten RSA 2048 that's the key finding number one is mm -hmm. don't panic, right? Good. Simply don't panic. Key finding number one, and I'll actually read this verbatim because it's worth, it's, I think it's worth it. Okay. Given the current state of quantum computing and recent rates of progress, it is highly unexpected that a quantum computer that can compromise RSA 2048 or comparable discrete logarithm-based public key crypto systems will be built within the next decade. That's their key finding number one, Tim. Okay. And this book is very recent. This is from 2019? Written 2018, 2018 published okay. 2019. Yeah, so it is, it is within the last year. So think about it through 2028 is what they're talking about. Okay. Correct. And their key, their key finding number 10, I'll skip over to 10. Mm -hmm. Don't forget their first, <laughs> I, th I think whoever wrote this had a sense of humor because key finding number one was don't panic. Key finding number 10 is titled panic. Okay. <laughs> What's and, that? and I'll, Again, I'll read it because it's, it's written very well. Even if a quantum computer can decrypt current cryptographic ciphers is, is more than a decade off, the hazard of such a machine is sufficiently long and uncertain. That prioritization of the development, standardization, and deployment of post-quantum cryptography is critical for minimizing the chance of potential security and privacy disaster. Right. That's, that simply means, and this is exactly what Mosca said, it's, it's what others have said, don't let that 10-year, everybody's thinking it's around 10 years from now, but it's going to take us that long to get there. Yeah, so let's make sure that X plus Y is less than Z. That is the entire point. You got it. Right. And so are they? I mean, it's an interesting question. It's probably an unfair question and it's probably something nobody can answer. But what is our level of confidence that X plus Y are less than Z, assuming we get on it and we work really hard and we really take this seriously? Tune in to the next podcast where you get to hear an answer. Uh, yeah, in fact, we, we are going to have another podcast on this, Tim. I just, I just wanted to have this, this one talk about the Z date. Sure. The next podcast, uh, just to, to, to whet everybody's appetite, I'm going to get right into what NIST is doing right now uh, because there was a first round of quantum-resistant algorithm submissions that have been battle-tested and evaluated. There's been a lot of merging there's been a lot of thinking. There's been a lot of attacks. I guess what I'm trying to say is the the sheer amount of really hard, really well-organized work that's going into this right now is substantial. Great. It's for real. And we'll get into that in the next podcast. Tim. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's good news, obviously. And I think 
the point that this needs to be taken seriously and something in the ballpark of 10 to 15 years is probably the right ballpark is a pretty important data point. This is not a problem that's 30 years away. And that's a, unfortunately, it's not a problem that's three years away. Thank you for that. I'm still thinking about my mohawk and how, how cool I'm going to look. Um, but hopefully it won't come to that. So uh, thank you very much, Jay. Thank you guys for joining us. And as always, this has been Root Causes. Root Causes.